Welcome, 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 Remix. Sure. And we will be just fine. Do you, um, have you ever noticed that thing? You, you just, you just kind of stretch your neck a little bit, almost mm -hmm. like a pop. But whenever I see somebody pop their knuckles or pop their neck or pop their back, I want to do it myself. It's like, ooh, I need that in my life that. right oh, now. Right, right now. now. I need right that now. release. And I, if I can't, I'm just like, Ooh, if I could just twist it a little bit harder, I know I'd get that sound. <laughs> I so crazy. And then we're old, we just pull something. Yeah, I know that's like what happens right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna need a backyotomy. Whatever makes you happy. All right, you guys ready? We were born ready. I was waiting for you. From the ElToro.com studios, this is the El Toro podcast. Brought to you by ElToro.com, where we target people, not pixels. Welcome back to the 13th episode of the El Toro podcast, the unlucky 13th lucky Halloween 13th. episode. <laughs> Here with Kramer Caswell, David Stadler, Austin, and who better to have as the Halloween guest than Rich Teachout? Rich, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good times. I just got to say, this is Unlucky 13, because we were recording for like 15 minutes, and then it just it went dark. We lost the episode, so we're restarting here. Yeah, so, I mean, but that, that just means... <laughs> Halloween's spooky, man. We right. are going to provide better content for our listeners, because we've already done a dry we've run. We've already done this. Dry run. Re -re 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 our live studio audience has been very uh, understanding. Thank you, guys. to some of the technical difficulties we've had. There's nobody else. So we really appreciate it. <laughs> No, man, there's, there's definitely people here. So Rich is the Halloween guru because Rich not only is the lead developer here at El Toro, but he also runs a few screen parks in town. Yes. Yeah. The biggest. It, it is fantastic. The biggest and the baddest. He's got quite an extensive portfolio of scare-related uh, business endeavors. Uh, but before we kind of get into all that, um, we do have a bourbon on hand for today. We had actually. I tried it on the last one. I'm not trying it. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's gross. I wouldn't. So, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna be honest about this. <laughs> um, this is Corner Creek Reserve Bourbon Whiskey, and these folks are purportedly out of Bardstown, Kentucky, but their sales office is in Miami, Florida. So, I find um, I find that to be a bit conflicting. Old um, dolphins. And, and I don't know if I should form like a negative or positive opinion with respect to that, but. We're going to move on. Negative. They don't actually distill their own product. Negative. Uh, they source this from uh, various distilleries. So they go out and they taste the barrels and they're like, oh, I want this one. I don't want that one. Or maybe we'll mix these two together and we'll make this 88 proof juice. And Ugh. I think the most appealing aspect about this is in terms of the bourbons we've tried thus far, this is probably the most affordable of the mix. This is a $30 <laughs> bottle of booze. They sell it in a wine bottle. Um, it classy it is what it is the stuff smells like sweet and paint thinner so tastes like it too not really the nose <laughs> yeah i mean i taste alcohol and spice and i did not pour seconds uh yeah i just went ahead and poured myself an elijah craig i couldn't do it again yeah well i had a couple of people come by my desk today because i go up and i grab one of the bottles off the shelf upstairs and you know i look i do a little bit of research on it and whatnot and so people will come by and they'll smell the bottle and there wasn't one person that didn't <laughs> wince when they smelled the bottle. So right. uh, for the record, Corner Creek Reserve Bourbon Whiskey is not a sponsor of the ElToro.com podcast. Never will be. Nope. Never Don't will be. No. Gross. So garbage time. If you want this bottle, I'll sell it to you for half the price. <laughs> um, On a five-star rating, what, do you, what are you going to give it? 
one? Not even on the star rating system. No, I give it one because if I had two bottles worth, I could still get drunk. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's the thing. It does, it does <laughs> it the does. job. It'll do the job. Rich is yeah. a glass half full kind of guy. And, and and this also might be one of those groups that source all these barrels, and one of their batches really hits and it's fantastic, and one of their batches is really garbage. It just so happens that my experience with Corner Creek Reserve whiskey is garbage. This is like your Kentucky Derby infield bourbon that you yeah. take. Once you're already kind of blacked but out, you dude, go. Dude, they're, they're rolling with Old Forester in the infield. I mean, that's the jam, man. There ain't oh, nothing no. wrong with Old Foe. It's stepped no, up. No. I like it. Anywho, yeah. Richard Teachout has 25 years plus of IT experience, uh, specializing in complex integrations and automation solutions. Rich works closely with business and technical leadership on tech strategies and policies. This includes but isn't limited to initial product design, the technical delivery of scalable and cost-effective solutions for customer-facing products and services while utilizing industry standards and best practice. That's a whole lot of words for I do a whole lot of Bunch that. of words. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a pretty good yeah, bio, good. though, to be totally honest. I looked at your, um, your LinkedIn, and there were... All these, you know, abbreviations and specialties. Yeah, a whole lot of letters. Yeah, we printed all of them out, but it takes up two pages, so, so I say not, we just skip that. Yeah, yeah skip we that. changed the font to eleven. <laughs> it still wasn't right. Fitting. I don't it's know ridiculous. what to think about it, but you are, in my humble opinion, the definition of a serial entrepreneur, and you own and operate multiple commercial properties along with a few various consumer businesses. One of them is Asylum Haunted Screen Park, which the Kentucky yep. this is the Kentuckyana region's premier Halloween theme park. And you can find out more information with respect to this at asylumhaunts.com. It is a fantastic, fully immersive haunted house. It's great. It's like being in an actual play. We've all had firsthand experiences there. We all love it. We'll get into a little bit more stories about uh, you know some of the Oh yeah. <laughs> some of the stories that Rich has uh, with respect to this facility. Um, you've you've taken your love of Halloween-related, just Hall your love of Halloween, period, right. and spun it into a couple of different businesses. Uh, another one of the businesses you have is, is Get a Clue Adventure Games, and this is uh, built around the escape room craze. Uh, exactly. Rich has you know both stationary and mobile escape room facilities. Right. Uh, you actually, did you test it on us or had you tested it on a lot of other people before? We tested it on other people before I brought it here. We so were, we're trying, not special. We, you were trying, I was trying a new time window. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You so, did so you, I was testing it. You yeah. brought it like five minutes when you brought it here to El Toro. We, we had, well, no, we did 30 minute rooms that Come on, day. man. Oh, it was 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. we were just so good. I was just getting so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had to add more puzzles. Well, I, I mean, you, you admittedly gave us a watered-down version because we can't afford to be paying people right. to, to come right. to work over the course of the day and have them spend two hours in an escape right. room that undoubtedly you've locked them in. Uh, I mean, and <laughs> we, we were all trying we to try. cheat, too. So yeah, no, that no didn't joke. work so well for you. No, it totally didn't. Like, cheating doesn't pay off in those situations. Nope. Um, moving on. So that's his escape room, and, and they're freaking awesome. I, I highly recommend it for team-building events. Uh, bring it out to your organization. He tows it behind a truck. It's freaking cool. Um, you did, also did you realize the two rooms that are in that trailer? You can actually compete and see the progress of the other rooms, so you what? can actually compare the oh, two rooms. Timing. That's super cool. So it actually has a lot of. When we do our rooms, there's a bunch of team building stuff, and there's five phases of puzzles, and so you're actually competing with the two teams for timing, and you can see how they're doing. That would stress me out. That's, that's part really of the cool. fun. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. That's yeah. super cool. 
I would love to add that additional element of stress, thinking that somebody's besting me. Well, in, in the room, game. you thought you did really good, and there's actually some really complex puzzles that were only in the hour version, not the half hour. Like, there's the other room has uh, two mirrors with lasers that you have to try and heat up the hit indicator the to get the gauge right to get yeah, the safe that. vault open. That was the one we were yeah. in. So you do a lot of stuff with like human emotion reaction. Like, do you end up going to conferences or conventions to where you're looking at like scientific studies of what this does or what that sort does? of? Most of the conferences sell products and things. Um, yeah, because that's it's part more of your... studying people. At age six, I, I was a magician by hobby. I loved entertaining people. And by 10, 8, 10, 12 years old, I was performing on large stages, winning competitions. And that's what I kind of did for years. In order to do good in those industries, you have to study people. You have to understand how they think, where they look. That's how misdirection happens in the, you know, the magic world. And the natural aspect of studying people is kind of one of the things that led me into part of my career path. I'm doing penetration tests and working with companies and doing security auditing and understanding what we were doing because you understand people. The human element is very interesting. So you got to understand people. Like in the haunted house business, every human on the planet is naturally born with two fears. It's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is acquired. You know, now that we have scenes where the floor drops out from underneath you with a loud bang. I'm going to scare everyone in that room to some extent. <laughs> Not me. Right? Watch. <laughs> um, and, and so understanding people is super important. And obviously, I run all the tech at El Toro, right? And I hate ads. Um, but I understand <laughs> Don't say the ad much. business. Well, it's an important value because the reality is the tech is interesting. And the part about ads that I hate is ads that aren't relevant to me. Right, I'm a guy, I'm looking at a truck, I'm looking at a haunted house thing, I'm looking at this product, I'm you know, buying these shoes. Ads for tampons don't sell me. <laughs> okay, right, it's an unrelevant ad to an unrelevant person. So getting relevant ads was super important. You know, if I never eat ice cream because I'm allergic to milk and my house has never, no one in my house has ever been to a place that sells ice cream, don't give me an ad for ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's relevancy. So understanding ads and understanding people is half the problem. It allowed us to take a different perspective on what the industry did from the very beginning as we were building the tech out originally and we started to scale it up mm -hmm. of understanding people. You know, as we started looking at other countries and we're expanding the technology out, the answer is the way the land works is the same. But how do the people work? Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the people, you don't know if they're cellular or they're mobile or heck, they're countries that you can't get internet in your home. Yeah. You get internet on your phone. And if you don't understand that, the technology is totally different. There's, you can't advertise to them, much less be relevant. And so you've got to understand the nuances of tech. So you're saying that your tech has to accommodate for that human factor. It has Absolutely. to execute the culture, logically. Yeah, for the people. Both yeah. from how the ad mm -hmm. looks as well as how the tech serves it. Yeah. Sure. sure. And that's, I mean, literally a lot of the things we do, I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. People don't do that. You know, and we test out different products in different ways. Well, and, and long story short, Rich eats his own dog food here. I do. I, I mean, he he tests mm, the majority of the products that we have put out here at eltoro.com. Rich has been the initial beta tester, and he tests it on his specific businesses. Mm -hmm. To explain that, the Asylum Haunted Screen Park, we should talk about it so you understand the scale of what we do. Yeah, because I was there last week, and I know we touched on this in the last one, but I feel like we just have to talk about it again. <laughs> Go, it's so do it. cool. So Asylum... Asylum is it's over in what Southern Louisville near Shively, yep. but it's like it's so big and people don't really understand. It's forty two acres. Yeah, yeah, when you when you first hear, oh, it's a haunted house, it's like you think you're a rinky dink little you know attraction that you walk through. But Riches is what five attractions? You got five, five attractions. attractions on site. You have 
one, you have like a freak show. And so here, I'll tell you about them. So we you have can explain it way better than me. Five different. We call them Halloween attractions because not everything we have is a haunted house, and that's why we're more a Halloween theme park than anything yeah. else. But so we have a whole carnival. It's called the Carnival of Lost Souls, and we have people doing fire breathing and you know walking on glass or you know doing a drill bit into their nose and all the crazy things they do. Staple twenty dollar bills to their arms, and <laughs> you know it's fun. And that's kind of to me a lot of the entertainment. We have a midway and carnival games, and that's where we run our escape room. You know, the mm-hmm. mobile escape room runs there, food vendors there, smoke rides there, doing burgers, merch, all those things. Within the attractions themselves, there's four different ticketed attractions. One of them is called Zombie City. Now, Zombie City is unlike any haunted house you've probably been to in yeah. that. It's what we call a theatrical it haunted cool. house. So it's a single theme, and as you go through, you're interacting with these people in these scenes and the cast and crew. There's a guide kind of going through, which might might not get bitten off by zombies and dragged off out of the scene, right? I mean, it's very immersive, and <laughs> they may come back with blood on them later. I mean, you know, all that kind of theatrical aspects. And Zombie City wins more awards than a lot of haunted houses because of that theatrics. It's more Broadway theater show with scary stuff than traditional haunted house. And the consumers on stage, I mean, for, uh, they're for they're all walking right in the yeah, middle. Yeah, you're it's immersed. It's more like in you it. walked into an episode of The Walking Dead. Dig it. I mean, that's what it feels like. It's really through. wild. And and you're actually interacting with the actors because they're asking you questions and you're like, mm-hmm. you're like making decisions it's along the way. It's not walk past them and they say, boo, it's you're involved. They're holding you back and handing you mealworms because yeah. it's the only thing that might oh, survive. Oh, yeah, I forgot it, about that. Yeah, the that. mealworms. It's and like crickets. They we splurged this year. We went to the crickets without the legs so they don't get cut in your teeth. What were those good. actually? What were those? Crickets. Did I really eat a worm? Yeah. They're oh, mealworms. Like, yeah, we buy them in big bags. You're joking. It was like a piece of grain or something. No, go ask Mo. That the actors get to season it with Mo's seasonings, Ooh. but the customers don't. Um, <laughs> uh, does the plot change depending? Every on... year, it's been running since 2011. So year after year, if you've come from the very beginning, the story has continued every year. Um, but each story every year stands on its own. Like you know, if you no, like within that vi- one visit. Like, depending on what the, the oh, consumer it, does. The immersion. You know, you can decide to give the, you know, cure to the virus, both back to the doctor who wants to destroy it or to the military guy who's trying to deploy it, and it changes some of the story. I gave it so to that immersion, the guy who's going to yeah, destroy You gave it. the anarchy guy, anarchy. didn't you? Yeah. I love it's it. Like those Sounds like Goosebump Kramer. books where you choose <laughs> your path. Right. Well, you need to be involved in it. You know, you've got to get the vial and get it to someone. And, you know, sometimes you have to get the briefcase and take it to the next scene who opens it up as a bomb and the floor drops out from underneath you. And, I mean, you know, it's way more unique. Um, so then we also have zombie hunting. It's a zombie training facility. Basically, we load you up on a military bus loaded with paintball guns, and you actually get to shoot out the windows as you drive through the urban city. It, you know, dummies as well as live actors running around getting shot in the nuts 10,000 times. I got to yeah. yeah, it's great. Do you pay those actors a little bit more? They, they get <laughs> paid. <laughs> well, okay, 10,000 times say. shots a night. And they're they armored up, too. I mean, oh, yeah, they're, they're armored, armored up. How much is a nut for? shot worth? Uh, it's no. death to the zombie. That's what it's worth. I don't want to do it. That's all I can do. <laughs> so then we have exterminate. Now, exterminate is mutant clowns because the clowns held a birthday party in the nuclear power plant. What could go wrong? You can't kill them now because they're mutants. So you shoot them with laser guns and you have to try and flip a switch in the middle and get, you know, save the world. Sweet. Um, so Stuff it's a lot wild. of fun. And the kind of clinch pin haunted house is generally what most people consider scarier, although Zombie City will scare mm-hmm. you just in different ways. And it's a little over half a mile trail through the woods. We have people on zip lines flying in over your heads, slides into a ball pit from the actors, you know, abandoned township, butcher shops, and just I tell you what, people out. Dark, because it's called Darkness. Darkness Falls, Falls. that attraction. And it's, I've been to a lot of haunted houses. And I went to this haunted house even before I knew Rich. And it's wild. And it's, it's more than just a, a haunted house to the people who go. It's, it's like art. It's an experience. It's great art. Yeah. Well, a lot amazing. of what it is 
is it's a different reality. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes, let's face it, the real world sucks. So I built my own world. Yeah. I just get to invite lots of other people to come enjoy it. Perception is reality. <laughs> that's right. Tyler that's says. right. Well, so, no, and it gets it. I think you had mentioned this to me once before, but you get people out of the house. That's right. You know, this is an experience that forces you to leave the house. You know, as you as I'm not a Pokemon fan, but Pokemon Go, the game, you know, the AR game, I thought was a fantastic thing for society as a whole. In that, I watched dads and their nine year old kids walking down the street doing something, not sitting on the couch. Yeah. Um, you know, the haunted house business, to me, the ha Halloween is kind of one of those holidays that I attribute to Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, you get out with your family and do something. Mm -hmm. We first started 2011, so, you know, we've been going eight seasons now. Wow. We wanted to build something that would get people out of their couch, get out and do things as a family, and have some fun in our reality. That's obviously safe and, you know, all that. We don't touch people. It's not about that kind of scare. It's the psychological. It's 3D movies mm -hmm. and, and so that's what started our haunted house career i saw a stat today where the retail federation put out the the revenue for halloween it's, it's been over nine billion the last two years yeah. mainly put on the back of this experiential push like as compared to say releasing a product and waiting for that deferred gratification of seeing what these consumers sure. like or don't like is it just because you don't have the patience and you just want to see what happens right then and there? I think a lot of it, it, there's obviously the instant gratification, you know, of the experience in the world. But I think a lot of it is, you know, our generation, you know, a lot of us are 30s and 40s. We built technology that was, you know, when we were kids, we'd get out, we'd go play in the yard till it got dark, we came back home. And we're like, man, you could go explore the world and go outside without leaving your couch. And we <laughs> built this great technologies on our phones. And now today, no one gets off their couch. Yeah. Um, so people are starting to want that, you know, and there's a large push in the industry, both from what we all think is good for society and because there's people have a human need. Understanding human people is important, right? As a magician, as a kid, I understood people. And as technology evolved, a lot of that goes away and they're wanting it back. People want to get out of their lives. When they realize their life is crappy or they've had a bad week, they want to go do something that's different and it's not sit and watch a 2D movie. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as diametrically opposed to VR? I think... There's a, there's a fine line between the two. Um, I think AR is going to be a much bigger technology in the next five, ten years than VR. VR's gaming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, if the, you want to explain the difference. You, sure. Okay, so there's AR and there's VR. Um, and we've got guys here playing with AR, um, you know, on the dev team and playing with some neat tech. AR is augmented reality. It's where I am in the real world looking through a screen, in this case a phone, right? Could be a set of glasses mm -hmm. with the Google Glasses, the next gen's coming, and some of those things that are out there, Magic Leap and some of the other technology. But I can change what I see through that screen and have other things out there. When you look at the donut shop on the street, there's a 50-foot donut bumping up in the air and spinning. <laughs> Right. Hmm. Um, when you're looking, you know, and you're walking down toward a gas station and, you know, your car windshield says, hey, you're low on gas. Turn here. And it arrows over to Thornton's because it says save three cents. My wife needs that. Yeah, I know. Right. I, <laughs> I need that. Too. We all need that. You know, augmented reality is taking something in the real world and augmenting it with tech. VR, on the other hand, is putting a headset on where you can't see the world and being in a 360 degree virtual world that you can't move around because you're running to walls. Mm hmm. You know, you see people do VR haunted houses when they get scared, they swing and kick and kick the TV <laughs> off the wall, right? 
Um, AR is, I'm in your house, you're looking around at your couch, but there's a monster sitting on it. Ooh, that'd be okay. cool. Sweet. Some of that tech's already in the cool. works. I might be playing with some of that. Um, is that what American Horrorplex coming September 2019 is? I can neither can confirm nor deny. Is that why you're happening? here? Are you here to talk about it? Not, not yet. I mean, you're only going to tell about 10 people. <laughs> Just so people know. That well, only I mean, 10? Yeah. Richard softly released Baker's. American so, Horrorplex. We owned a second haunted house here in Louisville called 7th Street Haunt. And it was great. It was amazing. We just spent tons of money and time and effort and, you know, sore backs and lots of bottles of ibuprofen getting it all built up. And then our landlord went and tripled our rent. Oh, I didn't know that. So that sucked. That's the reason why we closed it. Oh. Um, And a byproduct of that is, like, Sather and I are business partners. We went and bought another property and got a bunch of tenants in it to pay for the bills. But the reality is I'm moving the haunted house there. Nice. You know, to one of the buildings on that complex. And at that property, I've got this... Oh, an incredible we're aiming to be one of the top 10 haunted houses in the US and get our brain named out there in the next 3 to 5 years um, I just want to say it's awesome I proudly helped with that logo and I know I yeah, you know it. we used a different one by the way <laughs> oh shoot <laughs> oh, ah, dang it I thought I was going to have a cool logo for the 10 it's close scariest haunted yeah, house one. put that at right. the back of the portfolio I thought oh, I was yeah. cool yeah I'll put it on my resume you were close so. put it on your resume if right. only you had a props company and mobile so, escape oh, rooms to oh, move there I know if I were doing hmm. so again I let me so I got into all of these creative ventures on the side. And I've always, again, started as a magician at age six, right? I, I was literally making money and put myself through college with magic. Right? You seem like a magician. I, okay, it's fun. <laughs> I love entertaining. I'm used to getting on stage in front of 10,000 people. It doesn't bother me at all. And so it's also why I'm really bad with scripts. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, this so is more of a loose just, outline this, than anything that, else. I, I like outlines in crayon. Just five words. Oh, that's it. Right. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Um, <laughs> I just lose the list. Otherwise, it's all registered in my head. Uh, yeah, the I know artists. there's things to do today. Yeah. Uh, I listen to my iPhone. It tells me what to do. <laughs> um, but so a lot of the... I, I, got, I found my passion and my niche was being in computers and being a developer. And I guess I'll tell you kind of how I got into that because then it comes back to what mm-hmm. we were talking yeah. about. So when I was nine or ten. Young, right? 79. I'd been a magician for a little while, got a magic kit, started showing it around and just <laughs> fell in love with that. But then my grandmother got an Apple II Plus. I mean... Wow, your grandmother? State of the art. No one else could afford these at the time. My uh, grandma yeah, had yeah. a little money, right? So this Apple II was, this is a couple thousand dollar investment, which... Easily five. I mean, Which was like more like $10,000 yeah. in today's money, right? My Not grandma just got it. the internet last week. Yeah, see, so... <laughs> Um, so she had this appetite, and I could go play these games when I went to grandma's house. And I would sit in this computer until my mom dragged me away from the house, right? It's text-based games, which today we have Skyrim and these things. But imagine that with text, and you went, go north, and then it would read to you. You look around, there's a pack of matches on the ground. And you're like, <laughs> pick up matches. And then the thing would say, you yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. you're carrying too much. Right. And I'm like, how can I be carrying too much for matches? This is stupid, <laughs> right? I can carry a cow on my back, but I can't carry an extra pack of matches. And I thought it was dumb. So I literally, this is an old school program in basic. It ran on a five and a quarter floppy drive, right? Mm. So I'm like, I'm going to figure out why I can't pick up these matches. And I literally spent an entire weekend at grandma's house with nothing but getting up and getting mat- pissed off that I had to pee or eat. And I would just spend all weekend figuring out. And this is where I first learned to program was somewhere in this program, on this drive, is the lo- code that says you can't have more than 10 things. Right, because I had t- carrying ten things, I couldn't pick up a patch of matches because the code said no. I'm gonna figure out why. So I literally hacked the stupid game so that I could pick up twenty things. <laughs> right, I wanted to pick up the matches because that doesn't make sense. The beginnings of a computer hack. That was that was really what a where it started. Story. Yeah, and 
you know, that evolved me in the years of I started figuring out how stuff worked and how IT worked and took computers apart, put them back together, so what parts I had left, right? And what could I do with those? And got involved really in, you know, um, at, at about 14, I and um, hacked my first bank. Um, and when I was the there, classic. Yeah, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, we've another all, we've all been the there. Just yeah. your basic felonious <laughs> activity. And I wasn't doing anything malicious. I wasn't trying to steal <laughs> money. I was it. just thinking if I could do it. And somebody there that day literally changed my life. And I haven't seen this guy in many years. I've tried to hunt him down a couple times, mm -hmm. and I've been able to find him. But he literally said to me, "Rich, you know, you can make money doing that." And I joked, and I'm like, "Yeah, I just hacked a bank." He says, "No, companies will pay you to find holes like that and fix them." And I went, "Huh." And it led me down this white hat side of I did the penetration testing, I did you know hacking to find the problems and fix them. Um, so I had to learn how to do all the stuff yeah. the bad guys do to keep the bad guys from doing it. So I got into the computer world, I got into databases, I understand systems because I just ripped them apart and put them back together until I figured them out and then got real, I'm a professional screw up. So I broke more stuff than anything. This is else. where you kind of got into you know penetration testing. Right. Yeah, the pen testing and <laughs> hacking and understanding how to understand people. Social engineering was a big thing in what I did because I had to understand how to go up to the receptionist and say, you know, dressed as a UPS oh, guy I with lost a mine. No, it's excuse me, can you help me? The power of understanding people was she'd let me plug in under her desk into the computer and I could get into the entire network and own it. <laughs> oh, and God. then Oof. pass the CEO who was the one paying me, right? No one in the company knew but the CEO yeah. I was doing this. And they'd pay me ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to try and get into the network and I'd hand him his password. Dang, right? um, you hiring? A little, little social right, engineering. Right. <laughs> um, There's typical kids things. That know? led me into programming and understanding how to do things which you know, now in today's age, I never thought I'd be in the advertising business, and here we are in El Toro because I don't like ads. But I understand ad relevancy. I understand what it takes. Sending me an ad for a tampon doesn't sell me anything, right? Selling me an ad for a truck because I'm looking for one is important, right? And mm -hmm. understanding how to get relevant ads. And if the ads I see are relevant, then I don't have a problem with ads. Four dealers out there. Richard Teachout, serial entrepreneur. Looking for an F-250. Looking for a vehicle. They'll scare you and sell you a truck. For somebody who hates rules... How do you deal with making rules all day long? Um, it, I don't have a problem with rules. I have a problem with people who don't have logical s answers. It's not that I have a problem with rules or laws. I have a problem with stupid rules and stupid mm. laws. And he okay. breaks them. Bend them. <laughs> Maybe bend them <laughs> a little. <laughs> I mean, he just sees where the, where the actual breaking point is. Mm -hmm. Right. To the line, not beyond. Exactly. And sometimes... It's all about inefficiencies in systems and yeah. how do I fix them. The advertising industry was broken. As a consumer from this haunted house before El Toro, right? I knew the ad money I was spending was stupid because I'm open six or seven weeks a year and I spent a lot of money in advertising. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you mean by broken, though, for, for years? A lot of the technology for years, no one could tell me who I was targeting or whether they bought. You know, those two things are clinchpin to me as a consumer. If I go spend $12,000 on a billboard, who the heck shows up? Yeah. Did the, did the billboard, did the people who show up even see the billboard? Um, people? Right. But that was their answer, the billboard guys, the radio guys. Well, everyone, a million people well, heard you. Cool. How many showed up? We've, we've ran regression tests, just to let you know. Good. It was significant results. Right. Nielsen yeah. said so. And, <laughs> and if you can't prove to me my advertising works, why would I do it? You know, and as we got to El Toro, the lights clicked on like, oh, shit, I understand this now. I knew what I was missing, and I hated spending fifty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 on advertising and not knowing if it worked except whether I made money, right? Mm -hmm. But I could have made money without any of that advertising spent. I don't know, so I have yeah. to keep doing it. That was the hook. 
when I started taking the technology and, you know, when we first got going and we were doing every I.O. on a piece of paper <laughs> with quarters, right? This is Thank many God years Rich ago. Thank God, came along. <laughs> um, we came back and I started testing new technology and we were working on the new patents and we were building new ways of doing things. I was beta testing them all on the haunted house. I tried a bunch of products that you guys never even heard of because I'd go run five thousand dollars advertising, and I'm like, that don't work. <laughs> that was a bad. That idea. was a bad idea. Um, and the technology, it's like, okay, I can see that working, and let's improve on it. And we go test it for a few more months, and you're going to see some more stuff coming out first quarter that we've been testing. How did you balance that though with with being in such a seasonal business? Because it's a, a multi. So you say test. that the haunted houses are is a very seasonal business. Um, Tell us about we, a, a we rainy start, week. We start building in November to open up the following September. Ooh. Wow. We're just only open to the consumers for seven weeks. Well, I mean, you're, you're always in your shop. I mean, That's right. If, we're always if, building. Well, if I'm we look, have the prop company, too, which I'll talk about yeah, in a minute. But, but, if, but I'm, if I'm looking to get up with you, you know, you're either at your shop at The Haunt or, or you're at your shop down on Northwestern. Right. Um, I mean, you're always in one of those. Because I love what I do. Well, so... You're a tinkerer, dude. I'm a tinker. I love tinkering. I also found in the IT business, a lot of the professionals and the guys at our level and the people growing to those experience levels have an IT burnout. They burn out after a couple of years. They crash and burn. They change industries. Well, we only hire smart people, right? I want to hire people smarter than me if I can do it. Straight up. Find, but mm -hmm. I want to hire one smarter than me. More importantly, I hire guys that are smart enough I don't have to micromanage them. Mm -hmm. Right, that's a very important to me to get the kind of development we do and the motivational development we build from a tech. And in order for me to avoid the burnout, because I put in eighty plus hours every week, you know, yeah. in El Toro, I needed to be creative without coding. So I forced myself to do something else. In this case, haunted house was my natural way of being creative and enjoying it. But because of the way my brain works, I'm still developing. I wake up in the middle of the night half the time, I'm like I know how to solve the problem. You know, I needed something else to do, though, that wasn't going to be work. You know, that work-life balance is important. In my case, when I get off work, I go to work. I just do something different that is just as enjoyable to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's kind of like how, you know, Albert Einstein would... Yeah, went and played the know. violin. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You needed to find another creative outlet. So we did the haunted house. I realized I couldn't afford to buy the really cool stuff I wanted in my haunted house. So I started a prop company making the really cool stuff <laughs> that I used to have to go buy. So we started Asylum Props. Um, and we make facade walls. We do it for a lot more than haunted houses. We build things for escape rooms and escape props. And you do it for theaters and movies. Theaters, too. movies. We do a lot of movie sets, um, you know, or movie props, movie monsters. So just to give you a, a scope uh, for our listeners out there, a scope of the level of detail that Rich puts into a lot of his products. He came in today dressed up as Cthulhu. In Cthulhu, right. The, <laughs> Cthulhu, My very expensive man. silicone mask where the... That thing is wide. If he shifts the muscles in his face, it moves. The actual oh, mask like, facial expressions yep. will change. His mouth on the opens, mask. the eyebrows. It's and it's a mask. It's I would incredible. be wearing it right now in the podcast, but I would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you like put it on. After <laughs> so with the prop company, you just wanted new toys. I wanted new be toys, right. and I wanted new toys cheaper than I could go buy them from someone else, and yeah. I wanted things no one else had. Because I was building my own world. I had ideas that people had never thought of, so we were going to go build them ourselves. And then we realized other people might want these, and that's too. Genius. So we started selling them. Because well, after you're done with them, you can just sell them to and other homes. And, and we've got 4 by 8 CNC machines. We've got laser cutters. We've got mold-making paint lasers. booths. Oh, we laser. do all of our own sculpting. We have wood shop, sewing for costumes and makeup. I mean, we do... 
And we've got a bunch of full-time people who work on this. Yeah, I mean, right? you when employ here, a lot of local yeah. artists here in yeah, town. Yeah, a lot I of mean, artists. And you some know, of hey, them are nights and weekends. Some of them are full-time. I mean, we we have to. Well, I talked to a girl last night. She's she's in art school right now, mm-hmm. and you know, she was looking for a job. She her her grandmother lives across the street from us, and you know, looking for work. And I was like, dude, you you've got to you've got to sync up with these folks that own specific companies like this because you employ likely more artists in the city of Louisville year-round than any other organization that I could actually cite. Yeah. Um, there's a number of other people who have different industries and do some great art in this town. Um, we're kind of a niche yeah, market, sure. and I like it. Not everybody needs a bloody baseball bat. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I wish everyone would. Yeah. That'd be good for business. But okay. is, um, is, in jail. It, is it like, is it work for you? Or is no. it more... Every day I get up and I get to do what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I get up every morning, come to El Toro. I get to play with cool tech. We're yeah. building and solving new problems. I get off work, I go play with a new sculpt or a new mold, and you know, or I go run a show and do the escape room and get entertain people. Um, you know, go work on my <laughs> well, new haunted house and build the stuff. You know, it's just like when you when you actually go to asylum to see your haunted houses, you can see how much passion that you put into it because the levels of intricate details when you're walking through the woods and you you come upon these different buildings and. Like you said and earlier, and we go buy random snakes. Yeah. and we buy plastic snakes and lay them out in the grass just because someone's going to see it. Just get someone's going to see That's a right. snake, and you're going to get scared. It's like those little things that a lot of other people don't. It's the think detail, of. It's, yeah. It's, and we were talking, you know, like the well, we were talking earlier about the show, The Haunting of Hill House. It's on uh-huh. Netflix. If you haven't watched it, it's, it's amazing. Great. It's a great show. But we are not sponsored by The Haunting of Hill House and Netflix. But we could be if there's a part two, because man, that series is dope. Sick. But there's. One of the things I loved about that show is the the detail they play. If oh, you yeah. watch it, there's if a you watch ghost it, in the backgrounds. And in stuff. every oh, yeah. single scene, there's a ghost in the background. Some hmm. somewhere in each each scene, it's an it's, it's a wild. subtle. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. But until then, cool. it's subtle. Yeah, it's really. Subtle. We do that in the haunted houses. We do that in the escape rooms. We do. We, you've got to have that detail of the reality. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you're walking into something, and you. You know, you you walk in it. You know, you're in a haunted house, but it's like I'm in a I'm in like a play. I'm in a I'm in art basically, and it's yeah. really cool. And I don't think you really get that from a lot of other haunted houses. If our li- listeners are looking to check out another cool movie, Monsters Wanted, dude. Oh, yeah. you have your oh. own documentary. He does. Yeah. So I do. wait, I think Rich is the only person I know with an IMDb <laughs> profile <laughs> with know. production credits. So I think it's um, you don't know me, Stadler. Oh, do your research. You've oh, got yeah. your IMDb profile. Do you know Eve? Maybe. Maybe. You know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Monsters oh. Wanted, which is on my IMDb. I'm in rare um, company. It's also a movie say, on. Say it so nonchalant. Amazon Prime, I think, right now, and I'm you can find it on Google it. Play and all the other ones. So, in 2011, when we started our haunted house, and we first decided, I'm going to do this because I didn't like my boss at the time, and I was done. Right? I'm gonna go do what I love oh, instead. I've I'm got sick the of sound the bite that's gonna intro the episode. Oh yeah. It's oh, gold. it's gonna gold. be gold. awesome. And, go ahead. Go ahead. Tantrum. Go, oh, go no. play. It. We're not gonna play. Oh, I'm it right scared now. that we'll lose the episode again if I switch programs. No. no. Okay. So wait. Are we Here gonna go. lose it? Wait, Take, go with me. Go ahead and guy. play it. All right. Let's see. Cross your fingers. Shut up. Don't. No, you don't actually play it now. You go cut it in later. That's how this works. I was giving you a break for it. God. I think it would have worked though. Oh well. I swear to God, God, if you lost this next episode, (laughs) I would be so mad. Okay. (laughs) Oh shit. So you've heard that clip. So in (laughs) in 2011, we started this haunted house, and a documentary filmmaker heard about this crazy guy quitting a six-figure job to go run a haunted house, and like, what kind of idiot does that? Me. And so we, 
he followed us around with a camera. It was actually a couple of different camera guys for almost nine months. And they looked at why we do what we do. Um, cause it's not about making a ton of money and the people who do that, those businesses come and go. Um, it's about the passion behind what you do. Everything I do, I get passionate about it. Everyone in El Toro will tell you I'm passionate about what we do. And they released a great movie on behind the scenes because it's not about how we make a scare. It's about how we work with the people, how we train them, all the, all the education we go through and the effort of building and how we literally were opening in 2011 and Janelle and I, we had to decide, can we live on ramen noodles this week and not pay the electric bill because we want to buy this cool gadget that we think we need? <laughs> Most definitely. Right? And so that's what we did. They turned our power off. We went and bought that gadget it showed up we lived on ramen noodles and candles and we're walking around the house right for that week till we could get paid <laughs> like it's, have it's, any it's, money it's left very to open up in your home because your home was built in like the 1800s it's one yeah. of the yeah. historic it's homes a, yeah. in old, old Louisville. Louisville. it's an old home so you know we it, we kind of go all in on things when i have a f- belief in something i don't stop um that's that's one thing i noticed with all your businesses there's I mean, you've, you've seen the master planet to where you can kind of branch out in the same industry, but there's not necessarily a pivotal option. Like you can run MVPs or minimum viable products and test it out, but it's like an all or nothing kind of attitude with you. I don't know how you pivot a haunted house. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's true and false in, in that there's a lot of, okay, so if you want to peel some of this back, right, understanding puzzling, right? The haunted houses are great. What am I doing with the haunted houses? I'm building a system. I'm understand finding out what works and what doesn't. That takes a couple of years. I'm wow, I opening a second one. Now that I have two, the system's now proven. I can have seven more cities that are on the horizon, maybe. You're, you're back on your text expand. game. That's right. It's all understanding how it works. So I, I'm all about trying to expand and do 10, 12 haunted houses across the country and some of those are in the works. Um, because it can, but it's all that's all having a system and understanding what works and getting people in those cities that have the same passion I do or it doesn't work. Because it's not a business. It's about how to make it work. You know, I got partnered with the other haunted house because at the end of the day, his business was failing. Um, And so by coming in and going, let me help you fix the business side. And you run the passion at that location. Because I'm already passionate in my place. Mm -hmm. I run it there. You're stretched a little thin, You know, And so if I can build these up and get other people to help build this and build the system, (laughs) right? The prop company, if I can make those things more efficient to decor our own stuff, we're better off. You know, so the escape rooms. Yes, they're mobile escape room. It's a system. I can build the neat thing and send them off to it and get other people to keep running it. I can go build more cool stuff. Mm -hmm, I'm a builder more than anything else. Yes, I love to entertain. I go get in costume and scare people. But I like building the system, building the puzzle and let it run and do what it does well, both in El Toro, in the tech, in the ad industries. Give me a problem. We will solve the problem in the best way possible. I get a bunch of developers go build it. I can move on to another problem. Yeah. You know, and my brain works. I don't know if it's just my intelligence or whatever is different about it, I can take... I, he asked me, well, how can we do this next month? I have no goddamn idea. But the answer is, <laughs> it's one of a hundred possibilities. <laughs> you would be surprised brain. how many times yeah. we have that conversation. conversation. Uh, yeah. dimensions. But there's a hundred possible ways it could happen, and I don't know which one it's going to be until I start answering questions. You know, yeah. in, in the development world, we call it a B-tree. There's a B-tree of the problems. You know, of there's an infinite possible combinations to get from A to Z. That's like, think about it, infinite possibilities. Have you ever been in the room with me and Batman? No. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not, so, yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> right? Understanding the possible options to get from A to Z. Z could be any one of 100 Zs, but it's going to be there somewhere, and I'll tell you when we get closer. 
you know, we can come up with all the possibilities. That's true within our haunted house. That's true within the escape rooms, the prop companies. The prop company, the work we do within it is way more than just our escape rooms or with, with just our haunted houses and just the, what we sell. We're also working on bigger things with uh, theme parks mm -hmm. and, you know, the large scale stuff because that's what we do. Oh, yeah. There's definitely more layers to this master plan oh, yeah. of an onion. Uh, Stadler's going to probably ping you with a bunch of future and trends questions because that's Good. what he's going to think about yes. next. But listeners, check Monsters Wanted Out on Amazon Prime because they actually go into the casting of these different characters of the, the stories. Super fascinating. Well, and there, there's a couple of other production credits you're affiliated with. The zombie movie, Demonicus, The Coven, and I'd never even heard of those two. Those I mean, are I both kind Monsters of more wanted, indie but... movies oh, um, okay. that I had to okay. do a whole lot with. They're, and not... they're on the adult spectrum, though, right? Not quite. Okay. A little close. Yeah. Slip here and there. I remember the zombie I... movies, not, although there were definitely some blood and scantily clad sure. people, but <laughs> you tend to let your freak flag fly. I do. And, and you do it whoop, with. Whoop. An aura of confidence that's paralleled by few other people I've met. So my question is, I mean, I know you you you, you wanted to learn how people kind of process information. And sure. when you were a magician in your younger years, but have you always been that way? Or, or was there, you know, a pivotal point in your life that motivated you to become, you know, that entrepreneur and that developer that you are today? So I... I think it was being encouraged by, you know, my mother, probably more than not, and my stepfather, my real father, my stepmother. And I've always seen people lead things. You know, my father sold stuff. He had an office downtown New York. We had 600 people running sales teams. And, That's right. you know, my mother was an accountant, right, of a private school. And they were always just encouraged, man, if you want to do that, go do it. And to me, yeah. that meant go all out. Okay, but as long <laughs> as I can remember it was don't, don't do anything half-ass. And so I kind of have always been that way. I just got molded, and I didn't like having my opinion differed. You know, Dan uses a phrase that, honestly, I've used since I was 10, and that was, I don't like reality. Get my way. I'll figure out a way to do it. Don't tell me it can't be done. <laughs> yeah. You know, when Jeez. you tell me it can't be done, I'll find a way. Now, Straight there's up. technical things that have gotten in my hurdle, so I couldn't do it exactly like I thought, but this is pretty close. Right, hey, let's do it this way. One day we'll have the processing power to get beyond all of those problems. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, singularity. So as far as becoming <laughs> an entrepreneur, the honest, the pivotal point was I had a bunch of businesses fail. You know, I always say I'm a professional screw-up. I've done more things and broken more things than anyone else. I'm now pretty good at doing them right. Yeah. You know, um, at, at 22, like some of the other people we know, <laughs> I went out and started my own business, and it failed miserably because I didn't have the gray hair. I didn't have the experience. I hadn't screwed up enough. As a developer, my job was to break stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to break it because then I could understand it and then I could build it better the next time, right? I could understand why that website sucked. I've done thousands of websites from little tiny ones to huge ones with incredible databases that ran across multi-data centers and worldwide distribution because I knew how to break them. Yeah, You know, I knew how people think that it helps UI. I understood, you know, my, my magic skills and my being in this alternate reality of Halloween helps me build a better website. Mm -hmm. You understand how to do them. When you're building code, how to serve an ad is important when you understand how people work. When we talk about going into other countries of El, you know, for El Toro and looking at one of the countries we've been looking at was Brazil. You know, not public information because we're not going to Brazil in the near Trade future. secret. But... Um, one of the things of understanding Brazil is how the naming system works. How do people work? You look at Dubai. Very few have landlines. Yeah. Oh, They're yeah. all mobile devices. When we're doing Guyana as a country, we helped the presidential election there many, many years yeah. ago. 
we had to understand people. That's social engineering. Mm-hmm. That's understanding how do people work. If you're all on your cell phones and you don't have a T1, you don't have a DSL, you don't have a modem, right? There's no computer. There's no power. You're running on your cell phones and you're charging at the local town and there's a mail post office you walk four miles to. You can't target the same way you do in downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so when you understand people, you're like, oh, well, that's how I can make this relevant. That's how I can solve this. And we figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, so well, that was been and super important. I'd like important. to go back to something you said because even, you know, you talk about breaking things and you know how to break things so you know how to eventually fix them. And I think that's one of the one of my favorite things about you is when I started learning how to do website stuff here, you let me break the oh yeah, you broke a lot of stuff, right? And but it's something that I, I added a- extra backups before I let him do everything. By the yeah, way, yeah, he did. He had it all ready to go because he knew I was going to break it. But you let me break it enough to where I started to learn yeah, how to do it. Pretty good at it. And I really liked, I really liked that teaching style because you made me solve my own problems. I steered you in you the right. You steered road. me in the right direction, but you said you're going to solve the problems. Mm. And and I think that carries over into your teaching ability because I know you also do a lot of philanthropic work here in Louisville as well. We do. Um, with Code Louisville and things like that. Well, and even our developers in-house, because mm-hmm. we've got, oh, what, 70 or something on the team now. I can't even count that. multiplying. It's <laughs> uh, like a high. I probably have you 20 people, or 30 more coming soon. You people multiply like rabbits. One thing we do is... We try to encourage. We hire. We bring a lot of entry levels and mid level people in the team. And the answer is, when you have a problem, come to us. Like if you've spent an hour on a problem and you can't solve it, come ask for help. The reality is, I won't help you at that hour. What I will do is give you better search words. I'm going to kick you down the right road because you're obviously going down the wrong one. Now you go spend another hour or two and you still can't solve it. Come back. Let's sit down and do it together. Let me teach you how it should be done. And then the goal is you're not going to make that mistake again. So I'm going to teach you to get the answers you want and educate you yourself to get to the next level. And that's how we work as developers. When we're working with Code Louisville and I'm talking to people, we get the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm big on the community, even down, and I don't think you guys know this, I've been doing a bunch of work even down to the high school level at DOS High School and yeah. some of the other schools around. We're going awesome. and teaching these tech schools, they're tech high schools, mm-hmm. starting development and talking about kids getting into hackathons and understanding what's a better way to code to get started. So we go help them. And as they come around a few years later, we see them at the college level. We, you know, and do internships and we're seeing more of those come back around to even the code Louisville's if they don't take the college path. Um, We're working on an apprenticeship program with the state of Kentucky to actually have a development tech apprenticeship. So you can come out of Dawson if you don't, you know, or one of these tech schools and you don't want to go to college. Mm -hmm. You go into this, it's in essence an apprenticeship program, just like becoming a welder. Yeah. But it's now in software development. So we've That's tried awesome. to go down that road as well. Yeah. Little little pro tip here, though. With that Socratic method, mm-hmm. don't try that on your wife and your children. They hate it. I <laughs> guarantee it. Yeah. I, I'm aware of this problem. <laughs> just tell me the answer. You know it. Just tell me. But you spoke of fear of failure. That's what holds a lot of entrepreneurs back. If you mm-hmm. could express to some of these hopeful entrepreneurs. What was the most valuable lesson you learned from a failure? Almost going bankrupt the first time. (laughs) Um, You could lose everything. Okay. You could lose everything and I'm willing to risk it because the answer is uh, I would rather, and, and I know this is a cliche sentence, but it's personal experience saying it. I would rather have tried and failed than failed to try because the answer is even if I lost everything, I can pick back up and start over. And if as long as I can start over, I can't lose everything. <clears throat> if it's not worth losing everything, are you still going to do it? Depends on what it is. If it's something I absolutely love beyond a shadow of a doubt for the haunted house, have I gone a year and lost $50,000? Yes. But did I love doing it? Yes. 
Did I get up and do it again next year? Yes. Did I at least make some of that back? Yes. Because I was now committed. Right? So Sunk costs. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm so invested <laughs> right now. Can't dwell on that stuff, man. <laughs> oh, we invest literally everything we had. But you love it, so. Because we love it. So would I invest everything? Probably. The answer is that's a risk to reward. Everything you do, everything I do in every business from El Toro to the haunted houses to the escape rooms to the prop company is a risk to reward. Should I do that? Well, that has a high risk. Does it have a high reward? Do I think I can accomplish it? Do I know how? No. Let's figure it out. I'll figure that out later. Should, is it risk to reward? You know, Stadler comes and asks, hey, can we have this feature? And I go, well, that's going to have a lot of cost. I'm probably going to break something. It's not really going to make us any money. We're not going to go do that. Three weeks of those four people. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to cost us way more than it can make to save you the one button. We'll push. have it, we'll yeah. it done in two weeks. So, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been bouncing around a lot here as we kind of approach the end of the hour. But I am ADD. Entrepreneurialism. <laughs> we to, can tell. We love development, it, though. But, you know, you, you learned how to develop software a bit different than folks today. You know, educating software developers has become more formalized in the past decade with specific education initiatives like that of Code Louisville. Yes. So what do you see as some of the benefits and perhaps even the unintended consequences of that formalization? Well, there, there's pros and cons to that formalization. There's a lot of scenarios where you need that, and I'm not discounting that. I need to have people doing particular things in particular ways, in particular with compartmentalization coding, sure. you know, um, and things like that. But from the high-scale companies that are innovating and going to the next level, um, like I had an interview with Tech Target the other day. Mm -hmm. um, the, the kick is it's, less, it's becoming less and less about your technology pedigree it's less about, I went to four years and I have this degree or I have a PhD in programming. Mm. It's more about how you think. You know, when, when someone's applying to work here and I'm the one who looks through, you know, pretty much all the resumes that come to the dev team, well, you know, after HR says that these ones look yeah, good. Yeah. Your resume just gets you across my desk and mm -hmm. might or might not get you an interview. Yes, sir. Whether you get the job or not, I no longer care what's on your resume. Yeah. I care how you think. Because you could have a triple major and you're uh, just programming whiz on paper, but you think like an idiot. Yeah, you're dumb as a bag of doorknobs. <laughs> What's your go-to question that you've retired? So you don't ruin future interviews, but give us give us a little taste. Ooh, that's a it's tough question. Us. Okay, so wait, let's ask <laughs> you. Don't, don't let's ask us, you this no, question. We're not doing I'm that. asking you this we're question. Got to, Suck it up. To. You just opened Damn this it, door. <laughs> I feel like I should recode these rules. <laughs> yeah. I can pick up these matches. Why are the covers to potholes, right? Manhole covers in the road. Why are manhole covers round? Oh, I've heard this one. I thought you were going to this I, question, I you were gonna give me the die hard one. That's because if they bend, they're not going to fall in on themselves. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, as stupid as that so question is. So the turtles is, can get through. You know? It's all about the, the turtles. There's, there's so. a number of correct answers. Because the round pipe becomes more structurally sound, so it needs a round top. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's fine. That's stronger than a square one for pressure. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so when they tilt the lid up, it doesn't drop in the hole and kill the guy that's trying to come out. The answer is, can you think differently? I'm going to throw you off your game. The list of questions we take in and I ask people, I'll change based on what, how you think. You know, there's questions of if you had a three-gallon jug and a five-gallon jug, can you figure out the math to solve it? And there's three different ways. What did Samuel right? L. Jackson do? Exactly. <laughs> that's what, that's exactly. what I ask myself daily. God, he's the smartest. I know. 
I'm so Mother sick of these snakes. Rich, great mind. That's Mace Windu. Yeah. 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 I'm done with you. That's Mace Windu. You know, if you there's silly questions like, would you rather fight one camel-sized chicken or a hundred <laughs> chicken-sized camels? Probably the one camel-sized chicken. Totally. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would herd the chicken-sized camels and make them my army. Okay, so wait, let's let's think about this for a minute. One chicken <laughs> Stadler wouldn't be hired because he would rather take a monstrous problem with a chicken with a beak of something that could kill him and ruin everything and go after this 12-foot-tall chicken. Let's get Stads in And they're feisty right little buggers, if by the way. He's no death. He's I, not a developer. I have a concealed carry permit. I'd just That's shoot it. He's be, got a lot of guns. Yeah, a lot of fur. <laughs> Is it just me versus or, the chicken? Or it's a hundred... You know, chicken-sized camels. These are little camels. You're going to spend a lot of time kicking lots of little problems out of the way, right? But you're not going to die on the way. You're going to keep knocking them out until you finally come out ahead versus the big boss at the end that you may not survive. I'll right? chickens all it's, the time. It's a thought process, and it's dumb, but it's a thought process that's interesting of how do you attack a problem? Do you take that problem and break it into 100 little tiny pieces and start knocking them out, or do you literally just go after the end goal and have zero clue how to get there? You know, in our case, I'm trying to solve a problem. I don't know how to get there. I start breaking it down. There's a hundred little steps along the way, and the answers are going to vary as you get to the end. And I still got to the goal. It's how to solve the problem. You daggum devs. You know, you daggum developers. I'm, I'm really glad I never had to interview for yeah. a job. I oh, yeah. with Sean. <laughs> I don't think I'd be hired. different. Um, <laughs> but that leads to a good question, though. You have to pick one or the other. There's no, there's no middle ground. Okay. Do so you rather have the perfect answer later? Or a great answer right now? Oh, philosophy. Yeah. Um, so in the development world, um, there's an adage we use called make it work, make it right, make it fast. Okay? So I'd rather have a good answer now as long as we have a path to get to the perfect answer. Okay. Beautiful. Oh, makes well, sense. Damn, makes you sense. didn't see that coming, did no, you? No, I was, I was hoping. I was leading. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we first started, started ladies got him, and gentlemen. you know, El Toro got into this technology. A lot of it was based on the security and the things that we'd done to, that figured out how our technology works, right? The under-the-hood tech of our patents was based in that word, world. And we were at the time ah, 90%, 92% effective. This is many, many years ago. When we realized our competition was 7% effective, and no one wanted to pay for the security tech, well, we got in advertising, right? Yeah. And now we've gotten up to the 95, 98-plus percent effectiveness ratios, you know, the reliability scores. And I fight all the time, and Stadler's like, is there anything we can do to get these numbers up for people? And I'm like, no. no. The answer is, <laughs> I can, but I, I'm going to reduce reliability scores, so we're not going to do it. I Actually, stopped asking you those questions two years ago. Oh, yeah. It's because I <laughs> fought back so hard that you knew we weren't going to come this back This customer has to have this. I don't care. No. No. Nope, doesn't apply. Um, you have no power. You know, some of our team, you know, Ben and, you know, Loki and myself, and I think you met, talked about Loki a couple, you know, yeah. podcasts ago. Um, <laughs> we literally have been fighting the good fight toward privacy, toward things like that for many years, 10 years now. You can go find old articles Ben submitted fighting, you know, problems in cookies and Chrome and, you know, old bug fixes have been gone on and we've all submitted these over the many, many years. And so we've been very strong. Most of our product development doesn't come from sales or, you know, someone else in a product oh envisioning idea it comes from our devs yeah. so i give them a lot of leeway you know we might have a hint of oh a customer wanted to do that 
well, I'm sure there's a way we can do it. And we go down a rabbit hole until we figure that out. Or we come up with, you know, we, we built this monolith. You know, in the development world, it's we built one program that did everything we needed <laughs> because we didn't know what we were doing. It's perfect. It's perfect. It works. It is oh, God, it's not very quick. It's grass. Um, so then, you know, make it work. We did. Now it was make it right. So we started splitting things out into what was known as a microservice architecture. It gave a lot more security, a lot more features. When we did that, we found out, wow, we never thought of putting part one and part 19 together before. But holy crap, there's a whole new product out, Pop Digital Canvassing. <laughs> Push that shit right? together. God, that was awesome. You know, and so we built entirely new products out of that. Then, of course, we came back and went, wow, we used to be able to run a million records for a customer, and it would take us 24 to 36 hours to process it because the system worked. No, it wasn't really fast, but it worked. Dude, we did, oh, yeah. we, did like, we did like 4 million records last night in under 30 minutes. That's ridiculous. That's awesome. we, we've, uh, you know, so the adage I said, make it work. Make it or you know, make it right, make it work, make it right, make it fast. Here's a little Did he just make this up? I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah. Thinking on his feet. <laughs> just make up sayings. He's dressed like a monkey dancing I'm around. Like a monkey. What do you want? <laughs> Happy Halloween. Hey, a thousand years ago, your friends will have written this down and people Good. will preach it. So. See, you know, we've got it. And so, kind of going back to your question, the answer is I'd rather have the good answer now, not the perfect one, because the answer is the perfect one isn't perfect next month. You're hired. The tech keeps changing. <laughs> You know, we're still seeing technology literally double every six months, and the cost gets cut in half every 18, right? And that number is changing all the time. So the technology we're fighting in the ad industry against the bad guys, you know, they've started to get, you know, figure out how we do some of our tech and try and compensate for it and feed the system with bad data. <laughs> and so we're so far ahead of them. We're six, 12 months ahead. We keep changing our tactics. We keep making it more efficient. We keep getting better data. You know, we grew from what was batch importing and small files going every day to we're running five, 10 million transactions per second into the database, petabytes and petabytes a year worth of data. And then the analysis, the machine learning, all of the, the algorithms we're employing to make it right. Mm -hmm. You know, and if the data is not right, Stadler and his teams, all of the other customers, yeah. our customers, they don't get it because I'm going to fight for it to be right. I'd rather make less money and do it right than try and make more money and do it wrong. You, guys, you guys have made it so good. I've had clients ask, can you make it like uh, uh, 80% confidence level? <laughs> I need some I need some more nope. targets. I need to reach more people. Nah, yeah. man. That won't do it. Rich says no, no. no. It needs to be who we say it is. But it, it's good to have a gatekeeper like that in this yeah. organization. Yeah. I mean, that's legit. It is. So. It's true. You got to do it right or don't do it. So we've gotten serious all the business, uh, the pivots and the different niches and the overall industry of, of Halloween and your haunts and everything. Really, the important question is, what are your favorite horror and zombie movies top three go? Favorite <laughs> horror and zombie movies? Or, or, and or. Horror or zombie movies? Weren't they yeah. the one and the same? Uh, it, it could, could be. It depends. Go. Depends there, there's on the comedy. Go, go, go. There's comedy you're stalling, I know this. Well, okay, are, is comedies allowed? Well, Comedies horror or sure, zombie whatever. movies. Sure. There has to be blood and gore. Well, because technically Big Trouble in Little you, China categorizes as a horror oh, movie. Excellent choice. Oh, my God. That's Good a great job. movie. <laughs> All right, is that three, two, or one? I Kurt, don't know. Kurt All Russell, right. probably one of the greatest American <laughs> actors <laughs> ever lived. <laughs> I think this is a great movie. Snake. Um, the, the answer is I'm not into the traditional movies, so your Halloweens aren't really on my list. I enjoy them. You know, Friday the 13th, not on my list. I enjoy you them. Stalling mm -hmm. this Killer, Killer yeah, Clowns from Outer really Space? Know. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, great movie. Scare the shit out of me as the a thing? kid. Top I think three? it's the reason. What about no, the thing? thing's not in the top three. Okay. I honestly would I probably no lean more toward, like, um, Revenge of the Living Dead. I don't okay. think I've seen I have to that. Night of the Living Dead. 
Okay. Um, you're well, you're, you're kind of old George Romero esque uh, movies. Romero I don't really have a particular favorite because I just love them all. And then I'm I'm I, I am blonde, right? High <laughs> IQ and blonde. I play stupid really well. And <laughs> no, you um, don't. I forget. What movie I watched last night? It ruins my poor girlfriend. She's like, "Well, we had this great dinner last night." I'm like, we did. Where'd we go? <laughs> oh, we had this romantic dinner. Oh yeah, I can tell yeah. you everything She's like, about I it. I cooked for you, you bastard. Like <laughs> I can remember nine years ago what the waiter was talking about. What all five tables around the restaurant were talking because about. Because you love how her many so much. squares were in the floor at the <laughs> restaurant? What color his shoelaces were? What our conversation was? How was the food prepared on the plate? I've got almost photographic memory. I just can't always get it back. <laughs> right, it's processing in the back end. I'll it, pull it. It's that, I'll pull it's it later. Memory I'll pull map. Once you spawn the memory, I can dig it out and pull all of it. And Someone so, all of those cologne. things. I don't remember all the movies. Hell, I don't remember all the actors, and the names. But by God, if I can spark the memory, I'll remember every one of them. But you know, I love the old George Romero's. I, I have a lot of it that attribute to that. But then you know, go to some of the more recent zombie movies where they're at top scale, running at you, right? Yes. I don't, but now, building the haunted house, we have to. I love both of these movies. They're different generations, but. Some people get scared by Joe Romero's stumbling zombies, and some get, you know, the I can run at you 7,000 miles an hour, I am legend zombie movies. Yeah, I didn't right? like The door becomes so hard to you open. Had both so we have to have both of them yeah, you had our both atmosphere at, at to Zombie to City. Yeah. I didn't like the ones running fast at me. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yep. So I left my friends. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to run faster. You pushed everybody else. Now, I tell you what, the only thing, the thing that really scares me at, at haunted houses in general is the chainsaw. And that yeah. was the last yeah. guy. And I, I left my friends. I was like, chainsaw I got to get out of here. But you know there's me. not a chain. There is a chain. I don't no, there, there is. is. There is a chain. That dude's crazy. Okay, so you, Watch you the know movie. there's no Wait, blades. In defense, what we do, what most haunted houses in the realm of us do, we're obviously all about scary good fun, right? Yeah. We're about having a good time, but do it safely. But if you look at his chainsaw, there's a blade on it. Now, it's a bike chain, and it's welded down, right? It's got a little bit of blood on it. But you look at it in the dark, it's got a little bit of that blood. son of That's a gun <laughs> looks like a chain, because it is. Plus, he looks crazy. Yeah, I didn't he like it. He, looks, crazy. he was he swinging at my feet. Crazy. I was like, dude, he might dude. be crazy. No, Dude, I'm gonna kick you. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you. you. They, they, they work hard to again not touch. There's there's the theory of again studying people, right? It's scarier for me to say when I catch you, I'm gonna rip out your intestines and feed them to you for breakfast. But if I touch you and I don't actually rip out your intestines and feed them to you, then I'm a liar. So nothing else we do is scary. All right, for for you wrap up, and get out here, and make a little public service announcement for times and dates of the El Toro podcast. Uh, Got to ask you. So I've talked to your buddy, Mike, Mike Kimsey. Sure. Uh, you know, alliance with, you guys are pretty friendly between I know, Mike. Haunts. We're in a coalition with the Scary Good Fun guys with him. Yeah. I wish I was in a coalition, just with anything. That sounds here. Awesome. That sounds cool. Yeah, coalition. And we're Fighting involved the with fight. the coalition of the willing, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that expired? It's expired. I, I have no idea. But know. he told me this little tidbit. So uh -oh. what do you guys do on closing night? You make all 18-year-olds go we, home? No, we, What's we, going on? we do a lot of crazy stuff that I probably shouldn't talk about in mixed company. No, okay. but, but you will. Um, we'll, will. We'll edit it out if you don't want it. Um, yeah, not, so definitely. it's not always closing night in that nobody can predict when. That's by design, so people, random people don't show up. But um, if you're under 18, you're left the property. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of crazy people that basically do a naked run. Ooh. And they... Uh, it's like usually 32 degrees outside, so it's a little rough. Put the but chainsaw up. The, the <laughs> atmosphere of the people building our own reality also involved, I wanted to build a community of people that didn't judge, that weren't caught up in society, that at the end of the day, I don't care if you're a midget, if you're six foot six, if you're skinny, tall, fat, black, white, Asian, it didn't matter to me. You know, we've got transgenders, we've got gays, we've got... Every lifestyle you can imagine that's involved in it. And a lot of these people don't fit into the real world. 
you know, they don't play well in society. And the answer is I built a world that I was going to be open and inviting that I really don't care what you believe, what you like, what religion you are, how you are. If you want to come out and scare people, have fun. We built our own creepy family. And part of that comes with the belief of I'm not going to judge you. Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. Okay. And, awesome. and so we wanted to build that world of safety. And so do we do some stupid things? Sure. Are we all a little crazy? Yeah. It's fun, though. To put it mildly. To put it mildly. But, you know, we protect our own. We, we want to just have fun in society, and we all have a common goal of scaring people and building this reality. And so we do. Coalition, commune. Love it. It's all great. Yeah, not it's quite commune. We're not that weird. <laughs> We've been releasing these podcasts on Thursday night, uh, so everybody can kind of listen to them Friday morning on their way to work or when they get into work, that kind of stuff. Uh, we're actually going to start releasing podcasts. What is it, Wednesday afternoon now? Um, Wednesday at noon by request of our number one fan. Number uh, one fan. Carter. Carter McCoyak. I can't pronounce his last name. I mean, I'm guessing. I have trouble with words. It's McCoyak, yeah. Name. Biggest fan. I mean, been listening since day one. The thing is, uh, you know, I his his father. Like, I don't want to. Uh, every time I see Carter's dad, I don't want to uh, mispronounce their last name because normally it's you know Mr. Whiteley or or Mr. Caswell, that kind of stuff. Um, but with Carter's dad, I just call him Big Mac. <laughs> because I have no idea how that name is supposed to be pronounced. No idea. But, uh, uh, by request of our number one fan, <sighs> Carter McCoyak, um, we are going to start releasing this podcast on Wednesday afternoon. Big Wednesday. shout out to Carter. Wednesday. Thanks for all the listens, man. Wednesday. Thanks for all the likes. All those downloads yeah. on multiple all those computers. Downloads. All those five-star ratings. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like our podcast. Make sure you rate us five stars because... We're working. It helps. Yeah. Got to get those rankings up. Mr. Teachout, do you have any final words? Mr. Advice to entrepreneurs, people who just want to scare people, people who don't fit Halloween in. Halloween advice. Who anything. don't check the box. What do you got? Halloween advice? It's Halloween. What you got, man? The, the reality is the advice is a little different. If you find something you love, do it. Go all out and do it. You know, like, my, I mean, everything in my life is that way. You don't even realize. Like, I own an alfalfa farm in California because oh, my I brother know had the bulls. Oh, oh, you would. You would own right. it. He, he owned bulls and cows, and they needed to find better hay. So we started out, got an alfalfa farm. So we can, I mean, it's if you want to do something, do it. Get off your butt. Do it on the side. That's if, not all they grow. <laughs> That's a different property. Uh, <laughs> Burgeoning industry. So the, it's all about just go out take a little risk. You know, they, they did a study of Stanford students who have a graduating class, and they asked them, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years, right? Where are you going to be in 20 years? 85% of the class said, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be this. 10% of the class said, I'm going to do this, this, and this. 5% of the class pulled out a list and said, here's the things I'm going to do. Fast forward 20 years. They asked the same people the same question, where are you? What they found was the 5% of the class that had a list and had a plan, controlled 95% of the wealth of the class. Mm -hmm. You know, over and over and over again. And the answer is, you can't win if you don't try. So you know, a lot of people who already have a job, and, you know, that's why there's a lot of people in the company, from Mo and, you know, a bunch of us, have, have businesses on the side. We love what we do. We still come into work every day, and we're hard workers, right? Yeah. If any of us ever went away, we have a problem. We get that. But we encourage you. You want to go do something you love? Mo loves cooking. And his Mo Fried stuff is amazing. It shows. Right? Yeah. It's, it shows. Two-time Derby Festival oh. Burger Champion, Maurice, Maurice Williams, smofried.com. <laughs> you know, go do it. How can we help? 
you know, and he's willing to risk it and put a lot of time and effort in it. And I, I have a lot of respect for that kind of thing. You know, and the answer is, I'm not saying quit your job and go do something else. I'm saying start something else on the side of your job. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's what you're going to do, go do something, commit to what you're doing. Because the answer is, if you want to own your own business 10 years from now, there's something you have to do next month. Yeah. Is that read one book? You know, is that get another tech skill? You know, is it in the next five years, I want to be an expert at this kind of development because I'm going to do this in 20 years? Good, let's do it. What do you got to do this mm. month? What do you got to do this year? So do you think you could boil that down to two statements and get them hustle bucks and mitigate employment risk? Sure. <laughs> get them <laughs> hustle bucks. <laughs> Don't do it, it here later. first. Do sure. it now. Uh, the answer is do something. Enjoy what you love. Do what you love. You're always going to have challenges. Things are always going to suck. There's always going to be hard times. That's part of the growth. And the answer is don't be afraid to screw up. You know, success comes from people who screwed up. Mm -hmm. You know, the top 1% in this country who grew, you know, became wealthy from people like Lee Iacocca. And you go look at some of these really successful people. Over there. Most of them have almost gone bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Most of them have been willing to try over and over and over again and do what it takes. It's harder for a lot of people who have kids and have family and it's a risk aversion. I get that. That doesn't mean you can't do something. Yeah. You just can't go quite as gung-ho day one, right? Mm -hmm. When I go all in, I mean, I go all in, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and not everyone can do that. I understand that. But do something. Commit to what you're doing. If that means you, as a developer you want to be the best developer at what you do, that means every night go read an extra book. Go read a couple of blog posts. You can spend five minutes before you go to sleep doing that instead of watching a little extra TV. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're going to get the knowledge. It's not to the level I am. Most people don't get to that <laughs> level of entrepreneur and growth and go Rich big. Teacher I'm going to start a hundred house. Man. 42 acres later. Um, <laughs> you know, it's do something. You know, become what you want to do. Get that knowledge and do it. That's kind of my only advice to people. Is hey, we've got to wrap something. this up. i got to go take over the world because yeah, I am good. inspired. i got five minutes till I'm, uh, you know, Dick teach out, ladies call. and gentlemen. Pour, pour, pour some <laughs> bourbon. Enjoy your five minutes. <laughs> Rest do. up. Don't burn out. Stadler, who do we have next week? Oh my gosh! You would think that I'd look at the schedule before totally we forgot. sat down. I totally forgot. Just say episode fourteen. I can't pronounce gone, his name. Uh, he's he's a record producer extraordinaire, ultimate oh, entrepreneur. You're talking about John Alasia? Yeah, that guy. That Damn, guy. that dude's a Ooh. boss. We got John Alasia coming he's in. He's coming next. in next time, nice. next week. Yeah, yeah. he produced uh, Stadler's favorite yeah. artist, John Mayer. Woo! You know what, man? I'm we're pumped. gonna have we're gonna have a conversation about. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll own the world by then. So, uh, well, got a week. Make, uh, does that mean you're not gonna make it to the podcast? Or it's got a week. no? I'm gonna force everybody to listen. All right, sounds like a plan. with my, arm, like with a, my army of chicken-sized camels. But, but me and old Johnny A, we're gonna have to talk about John Mayer. <laughs> uh, all right, so guys, <laughs> check out Asylum Haunts. Uh, also check out Monsters Wanted on Amazon Prime. And uh, if you ever find Rich, just talk to him. He'll talk to you for hours. And it'll yep. be the best hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you. for listening, guys. Thank Thanks you, for listening, guys. Richard Teach out. Thanks, guys. We'll be here Appreciate next it. Wednesday on the 14th episode of the El Toro Podcast. Thanks, Carter. Woo -woo. You've been listening to the El Toro Podcast, brought to you by ElToro.com, the only one-to-one, 100% -one, cookie-free IP targeting solution. I'm so scared to hit the stop button. <laughs>